and welcome to this AFL Life. Um, the feedback was you've been missing my other co-host. <laughs> so today I'm joined by Julia Kiera. How are you going? Oh, I'm great, Al. How are you? Oh, look, I'm just I'm just happy to be back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm good. We've just pre uh, the microphones being turned turned on talking about how it's a bad week for reformed catholics yes um so that's a good tone to set off on (laughs) (laughs) and we are both catholic (laughs) um (laughs) are we not really (laughs) i do have the paperwork though yeah (laughs) (laughs) so julia you are now the player welfare manager for carlton's aflw team Mm -hmm. can you just explain what that entails i'm not sure no i do (laughs) um (laughs) sure so in the men's space it generally gets called a pdm so the player development manager Mm -hmm. um and i think at other aflw clubs my role is called that um at carlton i'm the aflw welfare manager so yeah, it's broad. Um, <laughs> I kind of look after welfare needs and well-being needs, um, whether that's on a um, one-on-one basis with the girls. So um, it might be um, a reactive thing, you know, uh, someone's stressed about not getting selected, so they come and see me to talk about that. Mm. Um or it might be more around other things that are going on in their life. So I've been helping, you know, some of the girls with their stuff getting into uni and, mm. um, you know, the programs that they can lop into to, to go to uni. I've helped uh, fill out a few Centrelink forms in preparation <laughs> for April, which <laughs> as a social worker, I'm, I'm pretty used to filling out Centrelink <laughs> forms, but it's a bit depressing to do it for an AFLW player, mm. but that's the reality of... Uh, yeah. We could talk about the gig economy. Would you like to talk <laughs> about that? I, I think the uh, this AFL Life listeners have missed my economics talk, yes. but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have been thinking about the gig economy and how about how it affects AFLW players. <laughs> you don't hear this on no, AFL three sixty, do you? Not um, at <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, so there's the one on one stuff. Um I've done, you know, a few kind of whole group things around the team's values and how um we can identify our values, how we live in line with our values in, in order to have a meaningful experience, why living in line with our values uh, raises well-being and then what kind of behaviours uh, bring that to life. So that's, you know, that's an ongoing conversation and that's an ongoing thing. Mm. Um, it's been nice for me because that's a lot of stuff that I usually did w- in social work as a, yep. you know, I worked in community. I work in community mental health and those are the conversations that I usually have mm. um, with people about how to have a meaningful life. Um, yeah, so I've been bringing a lot of that to the table. There's lots of bits and pieces that I do. I'm there, um, so at Carlton they train Monday, Wednesdays, so I'm there from about 4.30 those nights. I stay till the end of the day usually um, and then I'm there for the games Um I don't even want to say this out loud because it's going to cause some kind of chain reaction in the cosmos. But I'm there on game day in case 
there is oh don't say it a <laughs> adverse thingamajiggy <laughs> that I can't even say it I just I'm tempting it um, that for some reason Carlton have been really fortunate with this year not to have a major word that starts with I ends with Y yeah yes. <laughs> um, so there have been games where I felt like oh I didn't really do much today <laughs> um, but I guess that's nice but I am there for those things as well, um, you know, contacting families and arranging those bits and pieces when there's a a, cr- a crisis of some kind. Yeah, yeah. So um, you you would know a few of the girls already um, that play at Carlton just through uh, women's footy circles. Yeah. Um, but how did you how did you go about or how did you approach building relationships with them? Um, yeah, well, that's been an ongoing kind of thing. Mm. Um, I knew – I didn't know as many as I thought. Like, I knew of them. Mm. Um, and I was definitely um, wary of the fact that I'd spent two years talking about them on a podcast. <laughs> um, you know, and I had to really think about, you know, did I ever kind of say things that were personal and weren't about football? Um, and – then have to kind of front up to people. So that that's been a bit of a I don't I don't really think I did. Um but at the same time I know that it's awkward. And now that I'm in the space, I realize how full on it is to kind of dedicate your all your spare time to playing this sport and then having a whole um industry of people make airspace and money off talking about what mm. you do. Well, we make so much money. No, that's no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Perhaps not us. Um, but, yeah, and kind of the domino effect of, I guess so now, when I, because now I'm in a well-being role of the, the impact that has on, on the well-being of an individual. Anyway, that's that's to the side. Um, look, I just, the first night that they were there, I met every single one of them mm. for five minutes. Oh, it's like speed dating. It was it was exactly like speed dating. Um I gave them a spiel. I had a quick intro. Um, for some of them, that broke the ice. Mm. Some that didn't. Um, but I'm just there all the time. I'm making conversations. I, 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 I've, uh, people are quite different. Some are more reserved. Some are more forthcoming. Um, and the same in kind of using me as a, a, a counselling resource. Like for some, like it is in all life, some people, are, it, that kind of talk, that... Um, talk therapy type stuff is very close to the surface um, and so they can utilise me in a really quick kind of way like, ah, I need to get this thing off my chest, 20 mm. minutes, great, ah, I feel better, I've had an emotional dump onto you. Yeah. Um, and then for other people it's a much slower process. Mm. Um, but that's fine and that's what I expected. So it's been a bit different for everyone. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, uh, look, it's a pretty Dymo heavy club <laughs> and <laughs> – I got for my KK gift a pretty sassy gift um, that really made me feel like I was the lone falcon. <laughs> Although Darcy is there, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> and Nicole Graves still refers to herself as a falcon. Oh, well, that's good. That's yeah. good. So, it's, yeah, not completely, no. completely alone. Gravesy, who is the general manager of women's football. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, so what what was the feedback on the podcast? Did, did have you had much? No one. Or? Oh no. Oh, okay. No, no one said anything. No one probably listens to it. No, that's right. <laughs> but I was very self conscious about it. Um, and whether or not people have listened and they just don't mention it or mm. whatever, mm. or they're just giving me daggers. I don't know. <laughs> 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 Graves is definitely listened to it. Oh, has she? Yep. Oh, good. Because the day after she appointed me, she then followed me on Twitter. Yes. And then kept talking to me about previous episodes that she was re- listening to back in time, <laughs> like in reverse order. And I'm like, and it was quite exciting. I'm like, oh, you're going to hear me sing soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I hope Gravesy listened to this too. <laughs> So, I was actually on the drive over. Mm. I was thinking about how you and I have had a bit of a reverse <laughs> journey. <laughs> I have gone from Carlton. Well, I mean, Carlton men's, but mm. from Carlton to Darabin. Mm. Um, well, you're still at Darabin. You've gone from, you know, the kind of community space into AFLW. Mm. How have you found it? Because I remember when I left Carlton, it's funny that you talk about the podcast and being worried about what you've said about people. I remember as soon as I left Carlton, I kind of felt like, oh, <laughs> now I can say what I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so how has it been, you know, stepping behind the curtain? Yeah. Um, look, it's been a transition. Um I, you know, when I first got offered my contract, you sign a lot of forms about, you know, that now you're a representative of the club and that comes with certain obligations. And I certainly understand that. Um, But at the same time, I'm like, oh, but, you know, I've been pretty upfront in the last two years (laughs) slamming things um, across the board, like culturally, Mm, at mm. league level, at club level that I've felt needed to be improved but at the same time um you know it's not like I I didn't go after this job I went after it because I felt like I had a skill set that was needed and Mm. I really care about this sport um and about it being played by women and I wanted to be a part of the solution not just sitting in the cheap seats picking out the problems and not offering any guidance or solution so um that's what I wanted to do Mm. um so that was a period of transition. I, I have to say, though, that like the first few training sessions, I remember just being so shocked about how many staff there were. <laughs> like, <laughs> how just so many staff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, everyone's got a, a, a particular job and, and just how many people are involved um, in making the sausage. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. And... And yeah, and and at that time, you know, ha- how do the staff and the players relate to one another? Um, what's the place of the staff and the players? That that's all been very interesting and very different. Mm. Um, I've obviously come from Darwin, that's a much more female-centered environment, whereas there it's much more mixed, and it just comes with different dynamics and so mm. on. So that's been whatever. It's it's been nothing of note. Just um, it's a different dynamic. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's been interesting. So getting back to the players, I, I kind of feel like AFLW players, they're in a quite um, unique space where, mm. I mean, I, I know AFLM players are under a lot of pressure. They're constantly under the microscope, but they, they're they in this kind of safe bubble of the club 
at all times. Yeah. Whereas AFLW players, it's quite unique because yes, their performance is being you know scrutinised, mm. but they also have to operate in the real world and they have real world pressures from families and mm. work and study and all kinds of things. Have Have you found that to be an, an interesting yeah thing well yeah like that's something that i'm i'm not surprised about like it's certainly something that we probably talked about on mm, the podcast mm, mm. about how you know that the, the nature of the system the structural nature of how it works is that people need to have jobs or study or do lots of things um in order to make their their football lives work i guess now i just see it so much further up close and it just lands a lot heavier with me now like there are things like you know there are quite a few teachers in our team Mm. um and so you know for me you know and i my partner's a teacher and so you know round one is like the first weekend in feb and when does school go back yeah (laughs) and so you know you've got and this would happen i'm sure across frw there'd be lots of teachers is that that first week if you've ever met a teacher after that first week at the end of january february they're just like i'm stuffed um because it's so exhausting the kids are all back and exciting they're excited they've set up their classrooms they're studying the curriculum rewriting the curriculum and then they had to go you know and for carlton they had to go away all weekend Mm -hmm. to hobart yeah um and you're like yeah like regular male football players don't have to deal with that um and the other thing like well there's lots of bits and pieces to that but one thing I've really kind of seen much more up close, which I probably didn't um, – I don't know. I think I knew it was important, but I just didn't feel it as important, was selection and the emotional mm, roller yeah. coaster of selection. Um, and, you know, when you talk about, you know, existing in the real world, that for people when they're not selected, mm. they go to work the next day and – People are like, oh, I'm going to come see you on the weekend. And they have to say, oh, I wasn't picked. Mm. And it's a r- it's horrible. Yeah. Like, it's horrible. Um, I, I can't say anything else. And that is horrible because people are excited for you. They, they're on the journey with you, your colleagues, your friends, your family. Um, you know, people book flights to go and see you in round one and then you're not picked. Yeah. Um, and those are really hard, horrible conversations, especially when, you know, it's different if you're on three or $400,000 a year and you can buy them a flight another time <laughs> to go and see you. Um, yeah. Or when, and when there's 22 rounds in the year when you might get yeah. picked. Um, so the whole stuff around selection has been really eye-opening. Um, yeah, as I mentioned at Carlton, up and you know up until now and hopefully forever and ever w- <laughs> they've got a fit list yeah so there every week there are nine disappointed people you know whereas at other clubs where you're holding a few injuries and so on you know it's it's less so that's been uh, uh, not eye opening like I knew it would be like that but I guess it's it's you know you're on that roller coaster with people and it's it's emotional and heart wrenching yeah. at times yeah. And and I suppose I mean and I know that we've talked about this on the podcast as well, but it's so hard when there's no reserves. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're not getting a game, you yeah. just have to train your way back into the <laughs> into the team, and that's really hard. Yeah, that's that's hard. And Carlton have so last week um, VFL and the non-selected players yeah. played against Melbourne, mm. um, and they 
they were going to do one this weekend, but it hasn't eventuated, and they're going to do another one next week with Collingwood. So for for that reason, yeah, um, to give players the opportunity. Um, there's also the mat fi- match fitness element. Mm, you know, yeah, they absolutely. they of course they have to do a. A, not a makeup session, but they have to do kind of a, a running session to replicate the running they would do in the game. But it's never the same because you're not doing that running session uh, with the adrenaline of the game. Mm, um, yeah, <laughs> it's not quite the same. The adrenaline and the physicality and the, you know, crunching tackles of the yeah. game. So even when if you keep up with that program, your first game and you're still at five minutes into the game, you're just stuffed. So... Mm. There's there's still that to it, but yeah, that 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 is that is what's really hard about AFRWs. How do you work your way back in? How do you show what that you're getting better? Um, and you know, with especially when uh, lines, you know, mids, backs, or whatever are, are working really well mm. to get selected, you kind of have to prove that you would add value to that, and and you can't if you're not playing. Playing. Mm. It's 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 yeah. I I don't know the solution to that. Yeah. Until it's a full comp and there's a reserves. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so what what has um y- you mentioned the amount of staff and and things like that. But what what's surprised you the most being in that AFL bubble? Um, what surprised me? Well, there's been lots of little surprises along the way. <laughs> Um, what I didn't ever think about, um, which is my reality right now, is yes, we know that the players are part-time and so they've got to fit it in around the rest of their lives, but all the staff bar two or three are part-time. Mm. So all the staff are doing the exact same thing. Like yeah. th- they're all working their full days and then they're coming and doing it in the evening. The trainers and the physios, the medical staff, you know, half is on the radio and then he comes and coaches <laughs> in the <laughs> afternoon. Um, uh, you know, Shannon McFerrin's a teacher. She comes afterwards. Like we're all doing it. So you hit around four or five and we're all exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, top to bottom, you know, the players, because, you know, it's been going since November and because it's, you know, people – Especially with the staff, like you're kind of living your regular life with this like added 50% on it mm. squeezed into the edges of your life. Yeah. So that I never thought about that before. I didn't mm. think about how the staff are doing it yeah. too. Like there's a couple of full-time staff in Carlton, at Carlton who are in more of the administration side. Um, yeah, but everyone else is doing it part-time and I never thought about <laughs> that. Because <laughs> it's intense and yeah. it's not just intense for the players, it's it's intense for everyone. Yeah, it's intense for everyone. And the highs and the highs are so high and the lows are so low. And and you know, if you lose a game, everyone feels it. Like the staff feel it because they've put mm. in so much work yeah. to get you up and ready to go. And the win is the reward. Mm. Um so when you don't get it, um, you know, everyone's flat. Um and I guess part of my role is not being flat, like yeah. trying to put it in perspective and being like yeah, it sucks. We didn't play as well as we wanted, but, you know, it's still footy, in perspective, blah, blah, blah. So that's part of my role as being a bit of a turd polisher sometimes, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't mind. Um, yeah, and, and, and to focus on, you know, what was done well and so on. But, yeah, that it is everyone's sacrificing so much. So the winning yeah. is the reward. Yeah. Um, yeah, so a lot of the time. Mm. Uh, and th- I think a lot of players, that's how they feel. The winning is the reward. Even if they have individually good games or they see the progress that's been made, it's hard to 
to say, well, that was enough, you know, you know, you just want, they just want to win and everyone's so like, you know, we know footy players are so bloody competitive. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like footy is unrelenting, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's funny that you point that out because I, I, I'm finding that too. I'm probably, well, I am the only paid staff member mm. at Darabin that's not a coach. Yeah. And, you know, dealing with the league and other clubs, it's all done during business hours, but yeah. all other club business is done after is hours, done after hours yeah. because everyone else does it after hours. Yeah. And so it's really like you really need to put boundaries around it if you can. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's made me think a lot this year about, um, I guess, uh, so, you know, we, we've talked about, uh, the lack of female coaches at the top level, um, that there are, isn't equal kind of female coaching numbers. And for me, it is about, um, like it's it's linked to the gender pay gap. It's linked to mm. childcare responsibilities. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't see my child two days a week and then f- at least one day of the weekend. Um, and I have to make my peace with that somehow and I need to have a partner who's willing for me to do it. Mm. Um, I feel a lot of guilt about that. Yeah. I was speaking to someone yesterday and she's like, you don't feel guilty, you feel torn. And I was like, well, that's a nice way to mm. spin it, but I still feel, feel guilty. guilty. Yep. Um, you know, and when we were in Sydney, Toby got on the phone and was like, my heart hurts when you're away, mummy. And I'm oh. like, are you like... <laughs> Is Peter Dutton feeding you these lines? Like, <laughs> what was that? My heart hurts. I miss you. <laughs> God. Um, thanks. I'm in bloody Parramatta. <laughs> um, you know, and that and that's across footy and coaching is that for whatever reason, it's often men who do have kids, but the dynamic in their relationship is that their partner, most usually always female, is looking after their kids and there's not that push-pull mm. that I think um, I really feel. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of other, uh, you know, women who have children would f- would feel like in coaching that all that stuff happens after hours and you yeah. need to have some other job that manages to pay your bills mm-hmm. and manages to have flexibility so that you can walk out of there at 4 o'clock or 3.30 or that you can be looking at vision of the game on a Monday um, whilst you're at work. Mm. Um, and the, the same with that gender pay gap stuff. Like you need to be in a job that pays you enough that you ha- have all this free time and resource and petrol money and whatever to yep. devote to something else mm-hmm. where you're not really getting paid. Um, and I think that really does play a part in why women don't pursue it. They pursue it for a shorter period of time. They pursue it at a really local or community level where there's less commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that um, AFL, the coaching... The ladies coaching eggs, you know, <laughs> what are we <laughs> calling yes. that? Like the, the, what is it? Like the coaching scholarship thing that has yeah. the four uh, level. Jane and LJ. And yeah, it's got Jane Lange, Shannon McFerrin, uh, Los Moorcroft and Woody, Natalie Wood on there. And like three of them have kids, you know, that I think, are they all teachers? They're all teachers. Yep. Um <laughs> <laughs> 
So, again, like you've picked a cohort that get 12 weeks off a year so they can fit in going to do their level three in the school holidays. Like it's all like it's – there's a lot to it. It's not just why aren't there women in coaching. Like is it because the doors aren't open? Well, it's not just that. It's like that mm. you have to be ready to walk through it with all the other bits in your life working. Exactly, exactly. Mm. Um, a number of years ago, I think it was – possibly around 2014 or, or even earlier, Richmond did a gender equity oh, yeah, study yeah. Yeah. in in football and, and women working in AFL clubs. And I remember I was working at Carlton at the time and I read it and I was like, oh, my God, it's like they interviewed me. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, the you know, the themes are prevalent. But mm. there was this particular part where they talk about you know, the, the male version of showing commitment mm. is the hours you put in yeah. at the club. You know, you're there early, you leave late. Mm. You put in physical hours and people see you putting yeah, them in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And women find that hard because of everything else in their life. So they mm. feel like that, that environment isn't for them. Yeah. Mm. But I wouldn't question a lot of the female coaches I know, I wouldn't ever question their level of commitment no they just cannot physically be there all the time no that's right and they they can't stay sane like mm. you know i've um you mentioned before that i'm still at darabin and i i am i have a um, still assisting assistant coach in the vflw program and, and darabin's been training since november and i had to and the nights don't clash with carlton mm. but i had to say i'll only be there one night um because otherwise i'm out four nights a week um, plus any kind of bonus Carlton things that might pop up. Um, and that's just not acceptable to mm. me to be sane. I can't yeah. not see – I can't not put my kid to bed four nights a week. I mm. can't not see my partner. Like, and I and I think if I were a man, I don't know if I could say that or mm. if I'd feel like I could say that. But I – and I knew that I'd be disappointing people by doing it, but – for me and you know don't want to yank the old cancer card out <laughs> but the reality mm. is i know that life is short and if i'm yeah. going to spend so much time not with the people i love that's not that's just not an acceptable way to live mm. so i'll be back on deck at darabin in, you know in april but for now i would like to you know mm. see my child family yes (laughs) (laughs) on a regular basis (laughs) but also like no one would ever question your commitment to darabin either so i just don't think you can package it up as hours put in yeah i think that's because at darabin it is a female friendly environment Mm. and because i can literally say that i can i can give my reasons i can say I, i would be out four nights a week and I just can't do that at the mm. moment. I yeah. don't like. I don't physically have the stamina, mm. um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let alone you know the will. I'd I'd start to get resentful. So yeah, I you know I'll be there one night a week, all guns blazing. And I think in that environment, people get it, and mm. people know me. Mm. So, but I think it would be very difficult if you were going into a new environment, yeah, where you're expected to say yes or no to a hundred percent, stay late, do all the extras mm. to prove yourself, yeah. Um, when you don't have the capacity to do that. Yeah. I just – I'm thinking about my time at Carlton. I I just – I've probably said this to you before, but I it, – it's it's such a big machine mm. and it's a kind of altered reality because yeah. you're in this kind of football bubble and it's not important in the context of the world and no. life. 
but I, I had this constant feeling that I was running on a treadmill mm. and I just had to keep running. Because mm-hmm. if I fell off, there'd be 10 people waiting <laughs> to jump on in my place. <laughs> so you're really feeling like you have to keep up and mm. just keep turning up. Yeah, yeah. Until you just completely burn yourself out. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, I can see how that would mm. occur. It's, I guess it's different with AFLW because, you know, my contract finishes in April mm. um, and the players go and some of them get delisted really quickly. Like, yeah. it's, it, it's a, it is it is a machine, but it's a very fast-turning <laughs> one. So, I guess I'm able to do it at this point because I know that it's kind of going to finish. The the intensity will finish. Mm. Um, and, you know, what I do next and how I'm involved next is still kind of up for negotiation. But the intensity at which we're at now is going to stop. So that's how I can kind of keep going ahead. But, yeah, you're right. It is a big machine. You know, there have been times when I've shown up, you know, st- I've come straight from work. I, I get into the car park at Princess Park at about 4.30 and there are, like, camera crews everywhere. And I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> what's happened? <laughs> what's happened? And I think because I'm in welfare, I always think like, oh, did I not do my job right? Like <laughs> something happened, <laughs> and then it will be like Sam Doherty's done his knee. <laughs> I quickly, if you, you know, if I'm ever in the background shot of a, ger- you know, a journalist out the front of Princess Park, and I'm walking into those main doors, <laughs> yeah. and I'm looking at my phone, it's because I'm on Twitter saying, what happened to Carlson? <laughs> Sam Doherty. Knee. I'm like, oh shit, good. Well, not good, but it's not me. It's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do. I I don't mean good. Obviously, not yes, good. We love Sam. Overall, selfishly, I don't need to do anything <laughs> about this. So we probably won't be getting into our usual in-depth game analysis, but how have you found the season so far? Um. Well, I think it's been. I think it's been great. Yeah. I feel like, you know, all the previous seasons of This AFL Life are up there and yep. we talked about patience, mm-hmm. what will make it good, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And it's just coming to pass. Like, yep. you know, so, so many players have had three pre-seasons, three um, seasons of this environment and we're just seeing it on the field. Like, the the ball movement's better, the skills are better, the... Like the body shapes, like last yeah. in last week's um, thing with Megan, mm. she talked about like her body composition has changed. Yes, um, you know, and I love that discussion because she wasn't talking about weight or losing weight. It was about how do I become a powerful um, athlete, a yeah. powerful athlete, mm. especially when coming f- a, a powerful athlete suited to football and what is required in football, the burst speed the strong, you know, kind of strong overhead, all that kind of stuff. And that's what we're seeing now. Yeah. Um, and so they're able to do so much more. I really like the rule changes for this year. Like the I rule f- changes have been great. Yeah. Like it's, you know, it's it has been great. That's been really, um, you know, because I'm sure we talked about them last year and not being super into them. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and this year I feel like, you know, I love that one coming out of the goal square. Mm. The ball ups being further in, you know, last touch, blah, blah, blah. Like it's, yeah, I think that's been really great. Yeah. So, look, I've loved it. And I think that I I, I would like to see, you know, people that kind of watch, you know, the the more stagnant of games in the first season and were like, write it off to kind of come back and watch it now. Yeah. Um, And to see how much more free flowing it is. 
um, and how exciting it is and much more skillful mm. and, you know, seeing those players now come in like, you know, the Maddie Prosparkas. The kids are the so kids. good. Oh, the kids are all right. Um, yeah, the kids, you know, they just – you just watch players like that and you're like, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw – like we saw Maddie Prosparkas through the VFL season, mm. but she's just gone up five levels since then. Yeah. And that's just one preseason. That's no, that's just one preseason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, watching her. Um, yeah, just – and that was – f- that's three months, mm. you know. Yep. It's not a lot. Um, and, and what she's managed to kind of do there. But, yeah, I remember when, you know, Darren played uh, Melbourne Uni at, Hamil- at Hamilton and, and I remember – saying to one of the other coaches, do we have anyone on her? <laughs> because we don't seem to. She was there. She was there. They're just kicking goals. And she was, you know, the youngest person on the field by yep. far. Um, <laughs> you know, she's a star. And there's, you know, only going to be more of those types of players coming in. Um, and they're beautiful to watch. Like those players that you love watching. Mm, um, yep. And you're going to get more of those players in. Is when you're when you're actually at training with players and you get to really see them up close, who have you found you have a like a, a newfound appreciation for from Carlton? Um, well, all of them. Mm. Like I think lots of them I played against. Um, lots I kind of watched from afar. Some I just didn't know at all. Um, Millie Mullane or Mi- nay, Millie Barden mm. is someone that, you know, I really didn't know at all. I said to her the other day at Blacktown, I was like, I'm sorry, but for many years I thought you and Christina Bernardi were the same person. <laughs> 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 Millie Barden and Christina Bernardi, they were both from Diamond Creek. There were lots of B's and R's and N's and I just, I don't know, like I'm shocked with that. And then I was, and then they were both were there at the same time and I was like, oh, you don't look alike at all. I'm a shocker. Um, yeah, and I think that um, probably at Collingwood – when she was there, um, I didn't didn't grab much of my focus, I guess, because of the other people that were there at that time. And Christina Bernardi was and also Christina Bernardi <laughs> was there. Yeah, that's oh, that's right. And I thought they were the same person. <laughs> Oi, yikes! Um, yeah, but she like I think she's a um, you know we've we talked in previous years about what Carlton's midfield needed. Um, and she's someone who gets that ball. Mm. <laughs> she yeah. gets that ball and she bursts out. Um, and she, you know, shrugs off tackles. Um, and as a person, like, she's just hysterical. She's got the most wicked black sense of humour, you know, and just someone that I really never knew and mm. never knew was not another person. <laughs> <laughs> so what is what is the talk about expansion What's the what's the general feeling in Clubland about having to find talent for four more teams? Oh, I don't really know the answer to that. I don't. I think it's let's not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. But look, having said that, I I do think that now that I'm in this environment and I've kind of watched a few players, and I think that you know. A lot of the discussion was around, you know, the talent is going to come from the 18-year-olds, but a bit of pushback against that because there just generally aren't enough 18-year-olds of that talent. 
But I do think that there is talent at state mm. level. Yeah. Um, I know that just intimate knowledge of the Falcons, um, that there would be players, you know, I could think of six or seven players at the Falcons that would yeah. fit that, um, you know, and we were a team that finished fifth. So yeah. I feel like there is still a lot of um, potential for state league players. I think that t- to get in and to and to be in those teams and to see that great progression, I think that your interview with Meg was just an outstanding kind of document about the road back and, and yeah. how, you know, how to prepare yourself for an AFLW mm. program. Mm. You know, Meg had the benefit of, of seeing it, <laughs> not quite being at her peak when she was there and then knowing what it took to get back in. Mm. Um, but she also surrounded herself by pe- with people who were able to guide her yeah. on, on that path. So I think that there would be, you know, lots of players that, were delisted year one, delisted year two, who are young, like they weren't delisted out of retirement, who mm. can think about their path um, back in. And, you know, v- VFLW and all the state leagues are, uh, you know, y- you've got to take that with both hands and think, I'm going to play 14 games or however long the season is yeah. and get heaps better and play the full season because mm. that's the other thing about AFLW is how short it is yeah. and how much Im- like how much improvement you can actually make I think bodies certainly change because <laughs> yeah. it's just because of the strength and conditioning and how scientific it is and all the medical staff around them but your game sense and all that like that takes time ta- takes yeah. time and like, you just have to play footy like, yeah, like you've Meg just, said yeah, yeah you just have to play footy um, and not waste your chances. Mm. Yeah. Because even, like, she was, she only started playing footy in 2015. So, yeah. th- you know, it's been an intense journey, but it's hasn't been a long one. So, no. just the more footy you can play, yeah, the better. Yeah. So, I do think that there, there are a cohort of players out there or players that feel like they might be hard done by because they didn't get picked the first few years. I would question those ones whether they're putting in the work. Mm. Um. I'm sure some are, yeah. Um, but some aren't. Um, I think you know, yeah. And and being really upfront about your talent, which mm. is a pretty confronting conversation. Yeah. Am I talented enough for this? Mm. Um, talent will get me so far. What hard work will get me so far? The combination of those two things does that make me an AFLW player? Mm. Not sure. Yeah. 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 The the other interesting takeaway I I, I took from Meg was you know year one at the Bulldogs she did everything that was asked of her mm. but upon reflection she knew that she actually had to make up ground yeah on the competition so it wasn't enough just to do what they prescribe yeah she had to do more yeah so I think that's a great that's that's a really great lesson mm. but then it's also finding that balance like don't overtrain. yeah 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 but, yeah but find that balance mm and a lot of it is the game sense experience stuff mm, yep. and then the confidence and self-belief that comes from that. Because um, you watch now like Meg, Meg will go to take the intercept mark. Yeah. Because she believes she can, she believes she's making the right decision in that moment and that has taken time to develop that mm-hmm. level of confidence and skill and belief in your own body and your belief yep. in the, co- you know, that you can do it. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's not just a switch that can be flicked. Yeah. Well done, Meg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you cry round one when you watched? Um, 
I don't know if I cried. I was very emotional mm. watching it. Um, I was very emotional watching it. Um, we were in Hobart in the hotel. Oh, of <laughs> um, oh, no. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I watched – I think I managed to watch the first half in my room by myself <laughs> and then <laughs> went out with the rest of the girls and watched the rest. And I was just very kind of – look, I don't like the word proud. I feel yeah. like proud makes it feel like I – I'm somehow responsible. <laughs> <laughs> Look, so Sorry, I, that sounded like I was being funny. I wasn't being funny. I don't like saying proud about it, but I was full of, I don't know, something. Love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> admiration. Joy. Full yeah. of joy. Mm. That hard work pays off sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So with your rather full football plate <laughs> are you finding that you still have time and headspace even to consume content have you still been a fan well at the beginning i thought i would be mm. <laughs> i believe on the plane to hobart i listened to the outer sanctum <laughs> and andy ma sat behind me and took a photo of it and they posted it <laughs> So that, that was documented. To be honest, I have not kept up and I'm actually shocked at myself because I've always, you know, I'm sorry, out of girls, I'm behind. I'm well <laughs> behind. Um, I haven't kept up. Um, you know, I really love Kate O'Halloran's show on Triple R. Again, haven't kept up with it. But again, like I'm at work, sometimes I sneakily listen to it. Um, <laughs> whilst I'm working, sometimes I don't. Um, I haven't watched all the games. Like it's just – there's just not enough hours in the day. Mm. Um, and also I think um, like watching the commentary now I find really excruciating. <laughs> yes. Sorry, listening to the commentary I find excruciating. Yeah. Um, because not because of what the com that the commentator's doing good or bad job. It's not about what they're saying. It's a I hear it now how a player would hear it. Mm, yeah. So that's what I find really difficult. Um, yeah. So I kind of just can't. I I need to kind of watch it with the sound down or something. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I found I about a year into working at Carlton, I I found that I couldn't. I just couldn't handle going to the footy mm. anymore and listening to supporters mm. yell at players. Yeah, yeah. Because you just have this newfound appreciation for how much mm. they put in. Like yeah, you'd. N- I would never call a footballer soft mm. or anything because yeah. what they put themselves through mm. to play. Yeah, is unbelievable. Yeah, that's right. And I think yeah, and I find that incredibly difficult. Um, so when a player makes an error and I see the supporters kind of go them or clap their error or something like that, I just find it so difficult because you see the whole thing, you know, you see all the hours that's put in, you see the day that people have had in working themselves up to go out in the field, Mm. um, and it's just that thing of, you know, when someone makes a mistake, they, they know they've made it, like you don't ever have to, yeah comment on it um (laughs) and also i guess um uh yeah uh, just the decision making that goes into things so i've actually spoken a lot to the playing team at carlton about 
um, how to keep ourselves calm and composed that we can make good decisions on the field and what that process is like. And so, um, so when a player kind of kicks, you know, the kick isn't the right option or whatever, for me it's more about, okay, well, why did that decision get made? Was it about not being calm in the moment, not feeling like you had time, not knowing about um, what structure they're trying to kind of um, work within a rah, 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 like that there's so much going through the player's mind to make those good decisions. And and then when they've made the wrong one or it hasn't come off, say, and then the crowd like claps them. I just, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. for me, yeah, it is about being in the cheap seats. And I think that, um, that that those types of supporters, I feel like, did you ever play this game? Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> it's really hard. It's game. really hard, and it's really complicated, mm. and there's a lot going on. And I think if you ever played it yourself, you would never, th- you would never do that to a player. You might go, oh damn, mm. like that would be your reaction, mm. or you might be disappointed. You'd say, ah. Oh, Oh no! Like that would be your reaction instead of yeah. ha ha. Yeah, yeah. My first game of football that I played, mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was doing, and I would say that I know the game pretty well. Yeah, but watching it and playing it are so different. Yeah, and because players make it look easy, so yes. then when they stuff up, it seems like a stupid mistake. Mm. But it's not that they're very skillful and have incredible game sense. So yep. that's why they've made it look mm. easy. And it just being a 360 game, like mm. it's it's so difficult. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so that I find all that hard. And I've, I probably have stopped listening to it because it's less interesting to me now as yeah. well. <laughs> mm. um, and I think also, uh, how do I say this? <laughs> that... When you're in the team and you're in a lot of meetings, you can see the decision-making process that goes into things. Mm. And some, you know, whether a selection of a, a player in terms of, say, we're going to pick a team that looks like this because we're playing a team that looks like that or something like that. Yeah. Um, but then, say, the media then debates those selections. Mm. And y- I listen to the debate and I'm like, oh, but that's just not right. Like, that's totally wrong. Mm. But... But the industry is designed around just talking about it and debating yes. it and, 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 and taking little tidbits of information and creating stories yeah. around that. And so now that I'm on the other side of that, it's really mm. like I can't even watch it because I'm like, but this is yeah. all made up. Yeah. Or when like commentators try and dissect the game plan and it's like, this is not the game plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, yeah. I, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Or uh, that's the other thing. I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so like being on the sideline watching the game and then you go and listen to the commentary and they're talking about an issue that I didn't even notice happening. And it's not an issue. Yeah, because <laughs> it's not an issue. I'm try- I need to think of an example, otherwise it's going to sound stupid. But they, okay, they might be talking about, oh, they should really move X player onto the ball or they should really change the matchups or whatever. And I'm just there going, should they? <laughs> I don't see what you're seeing yeah. and I'm here. Like, yeah. <laughs> and no one's ever brought that up ever. <laughs> so what? what? <laughs> now, just putting a huge kind of asterisk against that last conversation. I am well aware that if you then listen to the last two seasons of this AFL life, 
I did that. (laughs) My voice just broke. But I did that the whole time. I feel like maybe I had a few more tidbits to go (laughs) off and maybe understood the game slightly better. But, yeah. But that, but that's the nature of the beast. But now that I'm in the sausage machine, yes, <laughs> it's just less thrilling, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's a couple of rounds to go. Hopefully, mm. some finals action. Conference B, mate. Ca- conference conference system beautiful is <laughs> is a winner <laughs> in this or sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um. What what do you hope the team can get out of the season? You know, bar premierships, obviously. But what what are you looking for the team to achieve? Carlton, yeah, playing really good footy. I think that um, that game against Adelaide, bar ten minutes, mm. and the game against GWS showed that Carlton are a seriously good side. Mm. So I'd like to see them go out with playing that much, just that confident yeah. football. Um, that I know they can play. I remember when, um, you know, I first got the job and before the draft, um, uh, Gravesy sent me the list of their retained players. And, you know, coming off last season, you know, Carlton on the wooden spoon and, you know, whatever, they'd just gone off the radar. And I looked at the list of players and I was like, this is a seriously good list of players. Yeah. Um, this is some serious talent. So... You know, it's it's not that. it's. I don't think it's um, that uh, they haven't suffered like Collingwood have of the top tier players leaving mm. um, and trying to restructure a game plan around that. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's what I'd like to see them and, and to build confidence and take that self-belief into the, into the next season because mm. I think what's, you know, what's happened at Carlton is they've had kind of these two disappointing years and so then when you get into the next season, it, that hangs over you. Yeah. That feeling of, oh, what's this season going to look like? Um, a lot of baggage from the previous season, whereas if you, ha- you know, without winning, say, a premiership or winning all the games, but if you play really good footy and are confident and feel like you progress and you win some games really well, then you take that feeling of movement and development and momentum mm. into the next season as opposed to like, oh, bugger, like it ended on a sour note and now we're going to start with a sour note. Mm. Um, and that, you know, the, a lot of work was done at Carlton to to not have that happen, like a lot of new staff, new coaches and so on. Um, but you know, the players still live with that feeling. Yeah. Um, and no matter what structures you put around them, they're still going to have that um, mm. feeling in them. Mm. Yeah, but uh, look, Carlton, when they play well, are bloody great to watch. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the, G- the GWS game was a ripper. Mm. Absolute ripper. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so th- that's that's what I like to see. And, and, you know, you mentioned expansion before. Like, it's <laughs> the, um, you know... Um, I'm not giving away any secrets. Like I have been part of no conversations about expansion stuff at Carlton, so I don't feel like I'm going to accidentally say something. But the, everyone knows it's coming. So yeah. all clubs that exist now would be very much focused on making their players feel connected and developed and like mm, their valued. club valued yeah. yeah, and valued and that um, they want to stay where they are. Mm. Um, every All the 10 existing clubs would be in that boat. Um, so, and that it, that's not different at Carlton. Mm. Yeah. 
Well, JC, it's been a pleasure to uh, reconvene for this AFL Life truncated version. Uh, we should have got a little poster of Meg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should have worn her badge. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I uh, hope it all goes well for the rest of the season. And Thanks. Hopefully we get to chat again soon. Definitely. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.